sermon is going to be from. That's 1 Timothy 1.15. Uh, it is on the screen. Uh, open your Bible to see surrounding context. Hopefully not pulling it out of context. Welcome to turn there. 1 Timothy 1.15. I want to focus in on that one phrase right in the middle. It says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If I were to ask you to paint a picture uh, with some broad brush strokes regarding the Christmas narrative, I think, I'm assuming, that collectively you could paint together at least a C-plus uh, of the Christmas narrative. What do I mean by that? Well, I think many of us are familiar with the what, the who, the how, the when, and the where of Christmas. For example, we know some of the big, big central characters of it, Mary and Joseph. Familiar where was Jesus born? So, so going back and forth, where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. Bethlehem, correct. Um, who announced to, who were the people in the field? Shepherds. Shepherds, correct. Who announced to the shepherds? Was there any room for Jesus in the end? No. no, there was no room for him in the end. Where was Jesus laid? In the manger. What was he laid in? So there's a little purple uh, use in there. Swarling balls, right? Just, you know, blankets, yeah. Uh, and of course, who is Christmas all about? Who is the centerpiece of Christmas? Jesus Christ. Correct. Right? It's at least a C plus for all of you. Congratulations. But what I want to do this evening is focus on the why of Christmas. That is, why. Why did Jesus come into the world in the first place? The answer, believe it or not, it's both simple and profound. It's deep, yet it's also extremely clear that a child can understand it. Yet somebody who's been a Christian for 70 years, they still can't ponder fully what the gospel is. So why did Jesus come into the world? Hard question. It's not a trick question. The answer is right there on the screen. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's the answer. So with that, Merry Christmas Eve. Hope you all have a wonderful uh, evening. No, I'm just kidding. It's not, it's not the full sermon. Some of you all like it, okay? But uh, I want to unpack that for you just, uh, just for a little bit. Uh, because you see that one phrase right there is the gospel message. That is what the gospel is. If you were curious as to what the Bible is all about, right, it's a, it's a big, daunting book. The message of the Bible is simple. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now for you and I to further receive this gift, to receive this gospel message, what I want to do, especially since it's the Christmas season, I want to unwrap three presents with you, three different P's that will help us understand what this truth of Christmas is really. So that is this. Take mental notes, physical notes, that's okay, but here it is. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Uh, number one, proclaiming the good news. Number two, right, procuring our salvation. And then finally, by providing us with everlasting peace. But firstly, Jesus came into the world to save sinners by proclaiming the good news. Right, when you think of Jesus, I think oftentimes our minds gravitate towards one of two things. We think about either his miracles or his moral teaching. Right? We think about him walking on water, feeding 5,000 people, or at least men, with loaves and fishes. We think about uh, 
of Jesus giving sight to the blind, right? Wonderful things. And a lot of people in his day thought the same thing. They heard this news, they, they, they saw Jesus out. They, they wanted, you know, their back was hurt, hey Jesus, I heard you can not heal people. Can you uh, fix my back? It's hurt a little bit today. Right? He was just constantly hounded by people trying to get the special physical touch of his grace. On the other end, the other hand, we think about his moral teachings, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Turn the other cheek. Uh, take out the log in your own eye before worrying about the speck in your brother's eye. Our wonderful moral teachings, one of the best ones that the world clings on to, judge not lest you be judged, okay? But I'm not going to unpack what that means. But a lot of people just think of Jesus for his morality, his good moral teachings. Would you be surprised if I told you that Jesus didn't come primarily for he didn't primarily come to do miracles, though he didn't. He didn't primarily come to give good morals, though he spoke wonderful morality. Now, according to Luke chapter 4, <coughs> Jesus tells us precisely why he came and what he must do while in the world. In the context, tons of people are surrounding him, crowding around him. Hey, hey, you know what, Jesus, uh, my mother-in-law, she's at home. I was wondering if you could drop by this evening to just give her a special touch. She's been sick. You know, Jesus, um, all right, constantly. But Jesus tells the crowd, tells the people, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Jesus explicitly tells us right here from his own lips, I was sent. I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom to the surrounding regions, to the other people, the other communities, the other neighborhoods, because that is why I was sent. Now, uh, I hope you understand the precise phrasing here. I must proclaim the good news. Again, Jesus didn't come primarily to say, get your act together. Now, clean up your life a little bit. Right? You've been living in sin. You've been living in all kinds of mess. You need to get your act together. It's, it, it would be as if I come in and I say, hey, you know what, church, you know what, friends, I've got some good news for you. Go home and take a shower. Right? Maybe something else should point out, call out anybody. But that's not, that's not good news. Right? That's a command. The same goes with God. The same goes with Jesus. He came to announce news. Now what is news? And that's what, what is going on today. But what is news when you think about it? It's merely a declaration. It's a report of things that have happened, are happening, or perhaps will happen in the future. So what did Jesus come to announce? What was the news he came to announce? Well, he says... Must proclaim good news of the kingdom of God. Now, what is the kingdom of God? What is good? What did He come to preach that was good for us to hear? If you back up just briefly, Luke 4, verses 18 and 19 tell us Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Dear friends, if I were to walk in here and if I told you, hey, you know what? I paid your traffic fine, you're good to go. Some of y'all be like, okay, that's kind of nice, but uh, that's crazy. I don't know what he's talking about. It's not really good news for you. However, if you were in a bad predicament, if you were speeding at 100 miles an hour on 64 and a cop caught you, now let's just say 
be gracious and generous to the, to the judicial system. Let's just say you had a $500 fine for doing something that crazy. All right, that, that's on your record, it's, it's docked. And if I told you, hey, you know what? I just want to let you know, because it's Christmas, I paid off that fine for you in full. That's good news for you, because you're in a bad predicament. You're in a bad situation. You had a bad problem that you were in. The same goes with Jesus. If we read Luke 4, 18 and 19, right, uh, Jesus came to proclaim good news to the poor, uh, recovery of sight to the blind, set the oppressed free. If you're not careful, you might think, okay, I got that. That doesn't really impact me. But you see, the implication is, Jesus is stating there's bad news to come. And Jesus is declaring, right, we're poor. We're in prison. We're blind and we're oppressed. Some of you, right, regarding the Poor. You are poor. Some of you who are just going to shopping maybe today, and you do it last minute, maybe tomorrow, for those of you who are better. Um, you know, you might be poor, right? Pocketbook's tight. I spent all my money on my children or family. Yeah, I can acknowledge that. But I'm not talking about your salary, the amount of debt you have. I'm not talking about your bank account. You and I are spiritually poor. We're empty. Bankrupt, we are completely poor on the inside. But we're also in prison. You might say, no, no, I'm not in prison. I, I live in the land of the free, the home of the brave. I'm not in prison at all. No, there's no chains on me. But again, according to the Bible, Romans chapter 6, we are all slaves to sin. We are all in the prison of sin. It goes on, we're blind. And I'm not blind, I can see, spiritually speaking, you and I are blind. What does that mean? What does the Bible mean when it talks about us being blind? It means you and I are ignorant of our sin, and we don't know where to go. We don't know what the problem is. If you ask anybody in the world, you know, what is the problem with the world? Everybody would give you a different answer. Oh, it's the government. Oh, it's all these systems. Oh, it's all of these, you know, so and so. Rarely, if ever, would anybody say a problem. It's my own sinful heart. And that's the diagnosis of the Bible. And then lastly, we're oppressed. Some synonyms in the Greek when it talks about being oppressed. We are weak. We're broken. We're downtrodden. We're bruised. We're crushed. Defeated. Hopeless. Do you feel that weariness in your own heart today? This evening? This Christmas season? Do you see that weariness, that oppression, that just downcast, bruised, crushed, defeated hopelessness in the world around you? Right, you and I, this describes perfectly the condition of you and I. But Jesus came, this is the whole point, Jesus came to proclaim good news. He came to proclaim good news to the poor. Freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. You see, that leads us to the second point. And Jesus didn't, didn't come just to speak. Didn't jump, come just to speak words and just to announce, hey, uh, good days are coming. No, he came to actually bring in the good days. To usher it in. To procure our salvation. Or to obtain, to acquire, to secure, purchase our salvation. Our peace. Because here's the thing. Right? How many of you this evening want to experience the peace of God. Right? How many of you want to experience the joy of God? The blessing
blessings of God, the tranquility that the Spirit gives. How many of you want to experience that in your own life? Well, you see, if you want to, you must pay a high cost. What do I mean by that? Well, imagine, for example, that your teenage son just got his learner's permit, and you are graciously and patiently and bravely wanting to teach him how to drive. Okay? So, let's imagine you get in your own car, in, in your driveway, and the goal is to back out, just drive down the street, turn around, come back, and park again. Fairly simple objective. But, instead of putting the car in the right gear, right, some forgets, instead of backing up, right, the accelerator is hit, goes forward, hits the garage door, the entire front of the car is crushed, the garage door is smashed, and all the wonderful family bicycles on the inside are knocked over and toppled. Can't use them anymore. Now just remember, this is all hypothetical, right? This doesn't happen in real life. Now, if, as this happens, if you, or any, you know, anyone in the family, if you want to use the car, if you want to have a nice garage door again, if you want wonderful bicycles to use again, what must happen? Somebody's got to pay. I can sound to you. Somebody has to pay the cost for the mistakes that were made. I don't care if it was the father who pays fully, or if the father says, you know what, son, it's your fault, you're going to pay, or if there's this kind of like shared thing, you know, 50-50, or if the insurance might cover some of it, right? The point is, somebody's got to pay. According to Scripture, the Bible tells us that all of us have sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. God requires perfection, which is all the way up here, you and I fall below this, the floor right here in terms of how close we get to perfection. And the Bible is quite clear. The book of Isaiah tells us that we are like sheep who have gone astray. Each of us to our own way. Rather than follow, follow the shepherd, rather than follow him to safe green pastures, we all reject him. We go on our own way. If you don't believe me, turn on a Disney movie. What's the most popular message? Follow your heart. Right? But the Bible tells us our heart is deceitful, it's desperately wicked. And if you and I follow our own hearts, we will find the result, which is death. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 tells us, this is what I'm getting at, the price that must be paid for sin is death. The wages of sin is death. The, the end result, the punishment, the outflowing of sin is death. And as weird as this may sound, why did Jesus come to the world? In part, right, the beauty of Christmas, it's, it's weird to sound, Jesus came into the world to die. Did you get that? Jesus came into this world to die. He was born that he might die. Then believe me, Mark 10, 45, right? I want everything to be rooted in Scripture. The Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve to give his life as a ransom for me. Right? Jesus came into the world take our sin, take our suffering, take our shame, to die the death you and I deserve to die, and to pay the cost, to pay the price for our sin, so that you and I could walk free. So that you and I could walk out of the courtroom free, as free people. That's the entire point of the gospel of Christmas. Jesus takes our suffering, our sin, our shame, our death, so that we could have his love, his joy, his peace, 
his resurrection power. That is the point of Christmas. That's the point of how he came to procure our salvation. But you see, dear friends, it doesn't end there. Jesus didn't come to just proclaim and preach. He didn't come just to own and secure our salvation, but he came with open hands to provide us with peace, to provide you with eternal life. And Jesus came to share his grace with you. So how do I how do I get this grace? How do I receive this uh, this evening or in general? Well, Luke 5, 31 to 32 gives us the answer. Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, the only way you can experience grace in your life is if you look for the Lord on your knees. That's the only condition. Humility, brokenness, a contrite heart. Because you see, Luke chapter 5, verse 31. The healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick. So if you came here this evening, right, just to be frank, if you came here this evening and you were perfect, I don't want you here. I don't. Nor does God. God doesn't have anything for you. What, what, what? How, how, how? Jesus says, I've come to call sinners. I've come to call sick people. And Jesus says, if you're weary, if you're broken, if you're hurting, if you're discouraged, if you admit your sin, if you feel the weight and the shame and the guilt of sin in your life, I've come for you. So for you and I today, this is what I, this is what I challenge you. Will you admit your brokenness before the Lord? Will you admit, Jesus, I need you. Right? I'm discouraged in life. I don't know what the next step is in my life. I don't know where I should go. Father, I need some help. I need some grace. I need some comfort. That is the proper position. On your knees before the Lord. And if you do that, the Bible is quite clear. He will give you peace. He will give you comfort. He will give you peace in your search for Lord. Will you come to Christ on your knees? Will you do that tonight? Will you do that this evening at home? Will you do that soon? And if you're a Christian here, right, this applies to you as well. You and I need to constantly cultivate a posture of brokenness before the Lord. We constantly need to be on our knees calling out, God, I need you. If you forget anything I say, everything I say, please don't forget the verse. Why did Jesus come into the world? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The last question I'll leave you with is this, my friends. Will you make that phrase? At the very end. Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners, right? It's just, it's not this generic, out there concept. We make it personal, of whom I am the worst sinner. But then Paul continues, right? Christ poured out grace to me. He saved me. He cleansed me. I was the worst of the worst, but Jesus saved me. Will you make that your testimony? Will you take this Christmas truth and apply it to your own life? That Christ will save you. Father, Lord, I don't know the hearts of these people, everyone here, but you do. For those who are not saved, who don't know you as Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit, please stir up within them. 
sin. Most of all, help them to see their need for you. Father, for those who are Christians here this evening, please give them a fresh experience, a fresh taste of your grace. Please shine the light of your love and of your comfort upon them this holiday season. And Jesus, above all, help us to find our hope, our joy, our satisfaction.